Good morning, everybody. It's good to see all of you. It's a real joy and honor to uh, give the message this morning on Father's Day. And uh, we've got a lot of great fathers in the house. Some of them are huge. Some of them, i got to say, some of the fathers right here are huge losers. Um, and uh, what I mean by that is uh, a number of fathers have been participating in a Biggest Loser competition. And have been losing some weight. I think our own Pat Slater and Scott, uh, Scott and also Euro are, I think, our top three Biggest Losers right now. Dads. Ryan's right in the mix. He's not a dad. So he's a he's a he's a married biggest loser. Oh, okay, Ryan is third. I'm sorry, Euro's fourth, I think. But uh, anyway, that's been a joy. But it's great to see less of some of the dads here. I'm trying to follow that trend. But uh, you know, uh, a great I, I, I enjoy that song in my father's house. We don't sing it all that often. But how many of you ever think a lot about what that song means? Ever think about that? There are many rooms. I know Chris Hosmer is always good to think about the lyrics and about Jesus. It's awesome. Um, But, you know, you ever think about what does that mean? There are many rooms in my father's house. That sounds cool, right? Some place that we're going has many rooms. And there's joy, joy, joy. Everything's all right there. I mean, that sounds good, right? And we're going to talk a little bit about that here on Father's Day. About our incredible Father and the house He's preparing for us. And uh, I don't know what kind of a house you grew up in, but uh, the Bible says that uh, there are many rooms so that in, in our Father's house, our Heavenly Father's house, so that song is scripturally accurate. Amen? We try to sing songs that are scripturally accurate, right? And in uh, John 14, in verse 1, it says, Jesus is speaking his, to his disciples, and this is after Jesus had just given, given them a number of pieces of possibly disturbing information, like he was going to at some point leave them, that they would at some point be persecuted. And so Jesus turns to them and says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. Something comforting about that, right? If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. That sounds good, doesn't it? You know the way to the place where I'm going. Saying, everybody calm down. Yeah, I may be leaving you for a short time. But I'm preparing a place for you. There's a home waiting for you in heaven. My Father in heaven is prepared for you. And it's a home of many rooms. It's not a run-down, one-room shack. Right? It's not even a tiny house. Right? Even though those are cool, right? Those are kind of cool. Those are kind of in vogue now. But it's got more rooms than that place. Maybe it's a little something like this. I know my wife can tell us what, what house that is, right? You may not know the name of that place, but has anyone ever watched Downton Abbey? Right? Yeah, you watch. Um, this is Highclere Castle in England. Highclere Castle sits on 6,000 acres. Very similar to my home. Um, 
30,000 square feet. It has a total of 300 rooms. There's the cute little library. Here's the nice little dinner parlor. You know, have some of your closest 400 friends over. It's got 61 bedrooms. But, you know, I think half the reason people watch that show, or over 50% of the reason, is because that house is so cool. I mean, it's in the title, Downton Abbey, right? I mean, we love huge places with many rooms. God knew that. Jesus knew that. He said, hey, I'm sending you a place. It's not a one-room shack. It's not a tiny house. I've got an amazing place prepared for you. Maybe castles aren't your thing and that doesn't your thing and that doesn't we are in Vermont. So I just okay, how about a log cabin with some serious rooms and a serious view? Right? Maybe a many roomed log cabin is your thing. I don't know. God's got it prepared. I don't know exactly what it looks like. But I know it's exciting. I know it's not going to be cramped. <laughs> I know that God is a generous God, and He's got a place of many rooms prepared for us. And it's, it's fun to think about houses. You know, I did a quick little search about how many TV shows there are about homes right now. You guys aware of this? Let me just read you a couple. Here's, here's some of the home-related shows on TV right now. House Hunters, House Hunters International, Flipper Flop, Beautiful Homes, Extreme Homes, The World's Most Extraordinary Homes, Famous TV and Movie Houses, Fixer Upper, Restoration Home, Home Free, Trading Play, Trading Spaces, Design on a Dime, Curb Appeal, Divine Design, Love It or List It, Homes by the Sea, Flipper Flop, Rehab Addict, yes, that's a home show, <laughs> Property Brothers, Extreme Makeover, Home Edition, Homes on Homes, Hometown, how about MTV Cribs? Right? Remember that? Is that still on? I don't know. But it almost seems like you're not allowed to have a TV network at this point if you don't have a home show. I mean, we're obsessed with homes and checking out homes. Sue and I love to watch that stuff, you know? And kind of, you know, looking at small homes in different parts of the country and going, we, that thing's worth twice our home and we can't afford to live there. And it's half the size of our home, you know? It's amazing to see the different homes all over the world, but we're, we've got kind of a home obsession. Why? Because it's fun to think about the home of our dreams, isn't it? It's fun to think about. But it can be even more fun to think of the home of God's dreams for you. And we're going to focus on that for a moment. You know, when Jesus reminds the disciples they don't have anything to fear... He's saying there's a special, spacious home designed by God himself and prepared by Jesus himself for each one of us, specifically. What what it exactly will look like, we don't know. But we have a generous Father who's making a special place for us. And I've got one point in this message this morning. It's Father's Day, so I only came up with one point. We're going to get out of here early. No, I'm just kidding. But it is one point. Um, And the single point is we have an extravagantly generous Father. And again, I don't know all what that home of many rooms is going to look like, but I think what is communicated is God is generous. And we've got a many-room place to look forward to. And... 
You know, what's cool is, when you think of God's generosity, you only have to think for a moment in the Bible about how, uh, how many ways God has proved His generosity to us. It's all over the Bible. You know, here in Vermont, you need only look around at our surroundings to, to see the generosity of God in nature. I mean, it's amazing. The mountains, the lakes, the forests, the wildlife, the flowers... Speaking of flowers, anyone know what kind of flower that is? Who's got it? Orchid, that's right. Jeanette Leap wasn't in here, so I know that would have been like within milliseconds. But um, yes, it's an orchid. Anyone know roughly how many species of orchid there are? 1,500? 3,000? Three, three species. There are 25,000 varieties of orchids. That's one of them. That's apparently called the moth orchid. Yet the orchid is just one of 270,000 species of flowers. What's my point? God is generous, God is expansive. That's one of 25,000 species of a single type of flower of 270,000 different types of flowers. That's just the flowers. How about stars? In our galaxy, there's 100 million stars. 100,000 million stars, like our sun. And our galaxy is one of 100,000 million galaxies. And what's kind of funny to me is in Genesis 1.16... In recounting the creation of the, of, of the universe, the Bible simply says, God also made the stars. <laughs> it's like a throwaway line. Oh, by the way, he also made the stars. And there's hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of millions of them. What, what is God if not expansive and generous? When he does something, when he prepares something, it's incredible. It's incredible. He's extravagant. I mean, think about the first home God prepared for mankind. It was Eden, right? I think I messed up the slide there. I have to take a new PowerPoint class or something. But let me read it to you. It's in Genesis 2, verse 8. It says, Now the Lord had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is Pishon. It uh, it winds through the entire land of Havilah where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. You know, what is Eden if not a metaphor for paradise on earth, basically, right? The first home that God ever prepared for humankind was paradise on earth. It was beautiful. So then what happened? Well, sin happened, right? And we were dispersed, and God, ever since the sin entered the world, was looking to reunite with His people and prepare a new home. What was the next home God tried to get His people into? It was the promised land, right? 
What was the promised land? It was a land flowing with milk and honey. And as a former dairy addict, that excites me. (laughs) But flowing with milk and honey, it's beautiful, right? When the spies went to see the land, they came back with the report and said, well, two of them did, said, it is exceedingly good. Anything that God is preparing for you and for me is exceedingly good. It's extravagant. And there's no lactose intolerance in heaven, amen? Milk and honey for days. You know, but God has always provided above and beyond the bare necessities for, for His people. His desire has always been to be extravagantly generous with us. And it's something we are promised with if we will trust and obey Him. But you know, there's much more to a home being awesome than just aesthetic beauty, right? If it was all just about aesthetic beauty, and we're glad that God has fulfilled that part of our needs, right, for aesthetic beauty. But if that's all there was, that would mean that anyone who ever lived in an extravagant place, in a beautiful place, in a picturesque place, that would mean that, was, that they were happy. And we know that's not the case, right? We know that's not the case. You know, there's a billionaire mansion builder named David David Siegel, and he said, being rich doesn't make you happy, it just lets you be unhappy in a better part of town. (laughs) Where you live and your surroundings doesn't necessarily confer happiness, right? Ultimately, what makes a home a home is not the size of it, how many amenities it has, or how pricey it is. It's the love you feel in the home. Right? And God, as our perfectly heavenly Father, has always longed to give us the extravagant blessings of His love as dearly loved children in His family. 1 John 3. I'm going to start to see a, a couple words here that describe God's heart for us as a father. 1 John 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. I love that word, lavished. The word lavish sounds lavish. It's almost like an onomatopoeia. Lavish. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Lavish basically means, right, to bestow something in generous or extravagant quality, quantities, rather. To bestow something in generous or extravagant quantities. God has always wanted to lavish His love on us. And in doing what? In bringing us into His family. To make us part of His household. It's an incredible love. Indeed, there is no greater love that someone could lavish on you than bringing you into into their family. Is there any greater love than bringing someone into your family, adopting someone. Have it, we just had our second grandchild. And I'm seeing this, it had been a little while, a couple years, since I held a newborn, right? It's our last grandchild. It had been a long time since I held Kristen or Derek in my arms as a newborn. But I'm just looking at this little sack of love, this beautiful little sack of potato who cannot do anything for himself. And he is so adore I adore him. Right? And 
It's instant. He, he's a part of my family, and it, it's. I don't look at that little grandchild, our little Sam, and go, you know, you don't deserve it, Sam, but I do love you. That's not how I view. I'm. I'm just filled with love for the kid. You know, God, when He brings us into His family. Sometimes I feel like we, we think of grace, it's the word charis in Greek, which means favor. What it doesn't mean, there's a misnomer that charis means unmerited favor. That's technically not a part of the Greek. It just means favor. So if you separate out the unmerited, yes, we haven't done anything to merit God's favor, but that's not how God is thinking. God's just looking at, He's not looking at you constantly going, man, you don't deserve it, but... I'm God, I love you, I guess, you know, you don't deserve it. It's, I love you, I love you, I love you. He's yearning to love you. He's all about love. God is love. He's sent His Son to die so we could part, be part of His family, right? And bring us into His household and make us a home. It's a lavish love that God has shared. There is no more lavish love than bringing us into His family. Look at this scripture, if you can. (laughs) I'll read it to you. It's in Ephesians 1. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. I'm just gonna I'm gonna stop at parts here. Just I can't even get through this without pointing out the love that's in this passage. We just kind of got to stop with every sentence. This very first sentence says, "Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms." That sounds good. With every spiritual blessing in Christ. Not a few, not a couple, not a majority of the possible available blessings. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. Look at God the Father's heart for you and for me in this. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. You know, when Jesus says He's preparing a room for you, You know, there's a lot about love that's shown when someone makes extensive preparations for you, isn't there? You ever feel that way? Ever been taken out or gone on a date or, or, you know, shown up at at an event and the preparation was so clear and you feel very, very special? How about having something prepared for you personally before the creation of the world? God considered you before the world was even created to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace which He has freely given us in the one He loves. That's beautiful. He predestined us for adoption. What does that mean? Does that mean He predestined us therefore we had no say in the matter? No. He singled out every one of us and said, I want you in my family. It's up to us if we decide to join God's family. But He's predestined and preordained His love for every single one of us and it's there for the taking. 
He predestined us for His adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. Not just His will. Do you feel God's heart here? What a Father we have. To the praise of His glorious grace which He has freely given us and the one He loves. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. There's that word again. We've been lavished with riches of grace from God. With all wisdom and understanding, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure. See all the emotions there in this passage of God towards you? Which He purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. It's incredible. God's heart for us is so clear. He's such an incredible Father. And I'm going to uh, end this message where the service started today in Luke 15. Ryan did a beautiful job in communion. And um, I'm going to end it with, a, with an example from my own life because I've always felt that Luke 15, the, the parable of the lost son, was one of the most heart-rending, heartfelt, inspiring stories of God as a father and his feelings for each one of us. And as, as Ryan read, it's the story of someone who squandered everything, right? He was given great riches and he squandered it all. And then he eventually came to his senses, right? And I'll just reread this last bit. Um, when, when, the, when the son came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. That's beautiful. I love what Ryan pointed out. While he was still a long way off. Not only is is God scanning the horizon for anyone who might turn to Him. As soon as we make a move towards God, He runs to us. And He's filled with compassion. God is not like the almighty Zeus of Greek or Roman mythology. You know, with thunderbolts in each hand. Waiting to zap us. Just he's all about judgment. The Bible says mercy triumphs over judgment. That's in God's character. God is poised, if you will, on the edge of his throne to run and, and meet us more than halfway. He's filled with compassion. He wants us in his family. He's looking to give us mercy, not to judge us. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. There are many rooms in my father's house where there's joy, joy, joy. It's a celebration. 
It's so cool how our perfect father is so eager to forgive. And I did not have a perfect father, but I had a wonderful, wonderful father. I had a great father, and I have a great father-in-law. I feel incredibly blessed. I'm going to tell a quick story of illustration of God's heart that my dad showed me, and I'm hoping I get through this. But uh, So this is the early 80s. I'm a sophomore in college. And um, it's, I remember it was cold, so it must have been winter break. And uh, I, I was living in Chicago, in the suburbs of Chicago at that time. And I went to the University of Illinois, so which is downstate. So what I would always do is I'd take the Greyhound from downstate to uh, up north for three hours, get off, get picked up at the Greyhound station, typically downtown Chicago. And so this is our normal routine, right? We had just had winter holiday. My dad and I were driving to go downtown for me to get on the Greyhound and go back to the University of Illinois. Well, I was driving, and so my dad's in the passenger seat, and we're approaching uh, the interchange where we get on the interstate. And something, I got a little confused. And I, I was like, Dad, do I turn here? I, wasn't, I couldn't remember if I go west or east to get downtown. I wasn't sure which the clover, clover leaf to get on. And my dad got a little flustered and he started kind of yell, getting angry. And then I was getting more angry. And then he started yelling at me and I got on the wrong clover leaf and we ended up going the wrong direction. In the grand scheme of things, you know... Three quarters of a mile, there's another exit. I could have cloverleafed it and just gone back, but that didn't really enter into either of our minds at that point. For some reason, at that moment, there was an escalation and an explosion of all the tension in my dad and my relationship over that past 20 years. My dad was incredible. He loved me dearly, and I, I you know... Um, I feel like I appreciate him more still each day as I think about him. But he did have a bit of a temper. And so I had never addressed that with him. <laughs> Apparently that was ended up being the day where I addressed it with him and I did not address him in a that with him in a godly way whatsoever. He yelled at me. We got on the highway and I started screaming at him. I've never yelled at my parents in my life to that point. So you have to understand the impact that this would have had on my dad. So I started screaming at him. Not only had I never yelled at my father, I had never used profanity in his presence. Ever. That I'm aware of. Now, he probably heard it on the soccer field when he came to some of my games, maybe, from the stands. But I'd never swore in the house. It just was not, not done But in that moment in the car, I unleashed every piece of profanity at him I had known, heard, or could make up. And, I mean, I lost my mind. It was all I could do to put the car in park. It was probably about 15 degrees out. And I jumped out of the car and just ran away from the car knowing there's no way he's following me we've got a car running on the side of the highway I jumped a fence and all of a sudden I'm in a suburb and I know now my dad can't follow me and he's not going to find me 
because he's got to go another mile down the road. I'm long gone. I just left him. And I, I still remember him in the distance just looking at me, shoulders slumped, and me just running. And so, genius that I am, hadn't really thought that through. I'm not wearing a coat. It's like, I don't know, 20 degrees, 15 degrees. And I'm walking through a random suburb about five miles from my house. And I'm like, okay, now what? (laughs) Big, big man. And I mean, I had immediate regret. And I had no idea. I, I figured my relationship with my dad at that moment was over in my head. And I I had a lot of time to think about that. So I walked five miles in the cold back to my house. Where was I going to go? This is in the days before cell phones, Uber. (laughs) You know, you got nothing, right? I walked back home, and no one was home. Door was open. And I just sat down in the kitchen. My mom wasn't home. And I just sat there going, now what? And all of a sudden I hear the car pull into the driveway. And I see my dad get out of the car with a friend of his from church. And he walks in and he just kind of stumbled into my arms. And literally like he was a dead weight in my arms. And he just said, don't ever do that again. I love you too much. And I mean, we just kind of sobbed. But there were a lot of ways that day could have gone. A lot of ways my dad could have reacted. And I remember his words, every single word, because it made a huge impact. You know, I was the prodigal son in that moment. I basically, the 20 years that my dad had invested in my life, I just threw it out in a a fit of rage, is the way I felt. Yet my dad immediately reinstated me. I mean, it's incredible. And that's a sinful human human being who did that for me, right? Yet that is God's heart for every one of us. And that's what God wants from every one of us towards one another. Because the sobering lesson about the prodigal son is we are all given riches. And we, are, we all have that at our disposal to do anything we want with those. We can do anything. We can squander them in wild, we can squander the riches God has given us in wild living. And we can never return to God if we choose not to. Yet God is, I view him as kind of sitting on the porch in a rocker, scanning the horizon, just looking for anyone to appear on the horizon to run to, and to reinstate and to draw into his family. God is looking for an opportunity to be lavish with his love towards every one of us. And we're called to be lavish with our love towards one another, right? If that's what God, our Father, continually demonstrates for us, we're called the same thing with one another. I hope this Father's Day we are resolved to stay rooted in God, stay rooted in Christ, to appreciate that He's preparing a place for us, 
And what's awaiting us is joy, 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 right? Let's not take it for granted. Let's not drift away. Let's show that same generosity of heart to one another as we live the fam- as the family of God. Amen? Amen. Amen.